shall we? It's a very difficult thing to find silence in a world of noise. Not only do we want to turn the noise off, it's you're not in control of a lot of the noise. And the noise pushes its way in from every corner. I can remember prayer times when I was a boy. And, and to be honest, they were very often very repetitive, uh, a little boring. But the worst ones, in my opinion, and only my opinion, I've not found anyone else to share this, were was when somebody would step forward and say, we will start this prayer with a, a moment of silent prayer. Now, why was that the worst? Because I would start having a little panic attack. How, how deep a conversation could I get into with God before I have to say, sorry, Fred's talking. It, it was one of those, how, what's a moment? How long, what should I talk? It was always that little stress, rather like slow readers at the start of a Star Wars movie when they start doing that little story thing and it's going off and they're going, ah, you know, and that's kind of how I was during the prayer thing. Now, again, I'm the only one I know of that had that issue. If, if you also did, welcome to my world. There is medication. Little did I know that that was really just training for the rest of my life. Advertisements, TV, phone, lawn mowers, lawn blowers, lawn other things. I have an issue with lawn stuff. Social media, our schedule. Yes, our schedules. Our schedules are noisy. They are full of interruptions. It's like being in a room where everybody is playing music over their own speakers. There was a time in Colorado Springs where I was, I had one of those days. I had a lot to do and nobody cared. They kept coming to my office. About the middle of the day, I called Cami, and this is supposed to be sarcastic, ironic, satir, whatever you want to go with it. I said, um, so many poor people, people in crisis, people with needs have come to me today. I've not had any chance to do the Lord's work, <laughs> right? You get, the, you get, you know what I'm saying, right? We often forget that God has a different schedule than we do. And here's the thing. This is easier for me than for you. The, the kingdom is my job. And you can, we can all play that game. Oh, it's all of our jobs. Yeah, but you, you have to go to another one. Kingdom work is what I do. That gives me a huge advantage over you. And I'm aware of this. I'm aware that many of you go to work or go to school in a very toxic or hostile environment or just a very busy, noisy one. And I get a different, well, normally I get my options for quiet, except for the last several months when they've shoved us all into one room. <clears throat> I'm working on a series, uh, a three-month series on hell. We'll talk later. But here's the thing, if I can't find silence when kingdom work is my work, my job, what chance does an elementary school teacher have? What chance does a young mother have? What hope does an insurance agent have? You're in my prayers. As hard as it is for me, I know it's harder for you. And that matters. It matters to me, and God knows that too. So today we come to two disciplines that I love, but not everybody loves them. If it helps you at all, there are some disciplines that I, is hate too strong a word, let's just say hate and play with a thesaurus later. I struggle 
I struggle with some disciplines. We're wired in an infinite variety of ways. Everybody is not going to like the same disciplines. Whenever I pray with Albert Lemons, um, I've learned to go first. Because <clears throat> if you let him go first, he's going to cover it all. You know, and, and I'm, I'm there going, all right, I've, at least I've got, oh, and now I got that one. I've got nothing. What do I do? Say, ditto God. Uh, or like a husband at Christmas when, you know, oh, that's from me too. Is that what I, um, disciplines are different for different people. I'm wired in a way that makes worship hard, but that's why it's called a discipline. You work at it. Other people may just, worship's the most natural thing they've ever done in their life, but silence and solitude, that's difficult. So let's all accept this, that some of us struggle with some disciplines more than others. Something easy to the one next to you may be difficult for you and vice versa. Romans 14 tells us, don't judge each other about these things. Be at peace about these things. I told you um, several weeks ago when we looked at prayer that I asked a theologian friend of mine, and, and I call him theologian, although he makes his living as a local minister, in fact, where my, my son attends, He's one of my go-to guys, one of my top two or three go-to guys. And I asked him why he prayed, and his quick just response, because Jesus did. I'd like to remind us all of that when we think about silence and solitude. It may not be your thing, but it, it was Jesus' thing. He sought out solitude and was remarkably silent for a guy that only had a few years to work with us. Have you ever thought about that? He had three and a half years to change the world through words and actions. And we have very few of his words. Very few. In fact, read the red letters sometimes and see how quickly you're done. When we started this series on Christian disciplines, I recommended two books. One of them was Richard Foster's classic, The Celebration of Discipline. And while we have not mined that for material, it has really worked alongside and in a parallel form. But today we are, at least at this very little section, going to use how he opened up his section on solitude and silence. He, he discusses Jesus' need to be alone and to be quiet. And he, so he starts his list with a, um, his, his work on this with a non-exhaustive list of the times that Jesus is said to have left the noise behind him so he can speak to God, and this is as, as important, so that he can hear the voice of God in return. We separate from others, not just because we want to be alone, but rather to be in a position to hear. To hear the divine whisperer better than we could if we were in the presence of others. We need to hear, so we need to be quiet. Jesus started his ministry by spending 40 days alone in the desert in Matthew chapter 4. I always find that really interesting that that's the way Matthew starts. Mark starts right in the middle of the community. Jesus goes right in the synagogue and a demon meets him. I mean, there, this, this, starts, this is a movie that starts with a car chase up front. Matthew starts with a genealogy. And just when you're, and then the birth, you just lured into a placid feeling. Then he says, and then he started his ministry by going alone. 
alone for 40 days. Before he chose the 12, he spent the entire night alone in the desert. By the way, the desert does not always mean in Scripture a hot, dry place. It often does. When the Scripture says desert, it means a deserted, empty place. A place where there isn't another person. Whenever he received the news of John the Baptist's death, he withdrew from his friends and he took a boat to a lonely place apart. I love that phrase in Matthew. He took, he went to a lonely place apart. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus went into the hills alone. Following another night of work, Jesus left before sunrise, according to Mark, to go out to a lonely place. When the 12 came back from preaching, Jesus said, quote, come away by yourselves to a lonely place. Following the healing of a leper, Jesus withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. With his three closest friends, he went out, he sought out rather, a lonely mountain to experience the transfiguration. As he prepared to face the cross, he went to the quiet place of Gethsemane. And we could go on. I'd really like to give you a challenge. Sometime soon, before you forget, especially if you are gifted in solitude and silence but people don't understand, or if you really struggle with it. Those of you in the middle may not need this exercise as much, but if those of you that are gifted in it and those of you that struggle should go through the book of Mark slowly and carefully highlight, underline, or note somehow every time that Jesus gets away, goes away, or tries to get away and is unsuccessful. You will be very surprised at how many marks you're going to put in the book of Mark. There's a lot of reasons to be alone. Jesus sought solitude. I miss Kim Ezel. And I'll never forget her leading us through the communion, that very holy time. And of course, as soon as somebody mentions her, I think of Gil. The first six months I was here, I would take off on one of my journeys to go speak somewhere. And people often ask, why do you drive so much instead of fly? Well, you know, there are people in planes. Some of them talk incessantly there are other reasons but also the 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 truck gives me a quiet time and every single time those first six months Gil I don't even know if you're here today I'll talk about you I don't care uh the phone would ring and I'd pick it up my because it's it's a brother at fourth I I work here what do you need he goes well I'm just calling to break up your drive and just talk to you I said don't Stop. Now, he had a hard time believing me, so he kept calling me back. And he said, is there, any, is there anything I could be doing for you? And I said, yes, yes. And he goes, well, anything, what you need? I said, put the phone down. <laughs> now, my truck is conspiring against me because now it has Apple CarPlay in it. Therefore, I put my phone down. I don't answer my phone, but my truck does. <laughs> That's plainly a fault in the software. But again, what is Guild calling me to? He's calling me to community. What's one of the disciplines I have issues with? Community. 
We need each other, don't we? We need all of those, that group. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, and if you don't know who that is, you, you need to know who that is. Even if you just do Wikipedia, go read something about this amazing man and the way he was killed for standing up to Hitler. He said, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. There are dangers in avoiding community and there are dangers in avoiding solitude because both of them are a place to hide. If you do not watch out, there is no easier place for a minister to hide than right here. No easier to stand in a pulpit and hide. It's the easiest thing in the world. That's why so many ministers have deep emotional and spiritual failures. It's easy to hide in the group. It's hard alone. But for others, alone, what they do alone is what condemns them. They are afraid of community for being watched, for being seen. Be careful. If you're on either end of that seesaw, are we even allowed to talk about seesaws anymore? I'm assuming we are. Whichever way you are, um, be careful. Solitude, however, is not enough. There also must be silence. There are real and serious dangers in constant noise and constant entertainment. And I could go all neuroscience here, but you know the fact, for, first of all, we want to stick with spiritual matters, so I won't. But second, you can find articles about this everywhere because it's becoming a clear and present danger, in the words of Tom Clancy. That we are rewiring our brains not in a good way by becoming one with our devices. I'm aware they're needed for work. They're needed for my work. But at some point in our, in, in our days, in our meditation, in our hearts, we need to understand that the noise may be distracting us. Where is room for the spirit when you can't hear anything else? Used to be, people would go to lunch to have a great discussion. That's hard to do now. Because when you go into lunch, it's loud. Not people loud or babies loud. Uh, that's, that's fine. It's music loud. Now, why? Two things. Um, marketing people tell me. One is to create the sense of a party celebration community. I guess that's why they always ask you, party of two? I'm always going... No party. We're just eating. That's, that's all we need. I have some other responses that I also give, but they don't really like them. They just, they don't. There's, there's something wrong with them. I'm fine. The, the other is not just a sense of party and community, but also to keep you from lingering at the table and talking too long. They want the table. They need that. It's the turnover of the table. Well, either way, I mourn that sometimes it's hard to go sit and eat with somebody and talk outside of a home. I'll never forget, we had some students from a very conservative Christian college that escaped over the wire and drove here. They were so terrified they'd be recognized. And I, th I said, not by, not by anybody here. <laughs> they, were, they, were just, they were almost trembling with excitement. Afterwards, I told Cammie, I said, we got to take these kids to lunch. And so I, I, I said, they probably spent all their pennies on the petrol getting here and back. So we went across to the Mercantile Deli. It was St. Patrick's Day weekend. 
Mercantile Deli, those of you who are visitors, first of all, we're so glad you're here. Welcome home. Never leave. This is where you belong. Mercantile Deli's across the way. It's a small place, not much bigger than three or four times the size of this stage. They had a bagpiper in there. <laughs> now, I like bagpipe music as much as the next person, as long as they don't like it too much. I, I like it uh, in its place, but its place is not in a small enclosed deli. We had wanted to have a conversation with these people, and we couldn't. Noise. I'm not even talking about, well, there's noise around, but I don't pay attention to it. I'm talking about a decision to be quiet. That is so hard to do. The Navajo say, we learn through the ears and not the mouth. I love that phrasing. We learn through the ears. And not the mouth. And a quote I've heard many times, and I was unable to source it. If somebody knows a source, I would appreciate it. All those who open their mouths close their eyes. I thought that was an amazing one. Now, Richard Foster actually uses that second quote as well, but he doesn't source it either. When will we listen and learn rather than continually fill the space up with noise? And here's where I always tell the story, and I've told it here before about a good friend of mine named Albert Brown. Albert sometimes listens, so he knows I talk about him. Albert Brown was from the northeast of Scotland, which means only about 40 people on the wor in the world could understand what he was saying. It's a different accent in the world up there, people, around Bucky, and, and you know that the Irvin clan does, uh, up there in the Peter Heed in, in that region. They speak a form of English called Doric. Look it up. But Albert is also just a really talkative guy. And he flew across to see us. So I got him at the airport. We're walking out. And he, we're walking out to my car. And he goes, oh, so you, 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 you got, I forget, even forget what I had at the time, a Chevy. And I'm going, yeah. Do you like those better than Ford? Evidently. Uh, <laughs> on the moment. And so I unlocked the car. He hopped in. And I said, Albert, I'm, I'm going to need that seat. He looked up and saw a steering wheel where there's normally a glove box. He went, oh, sorry. <laughs> he went around the other side. So we're, we're driving out. And he goes, do you like driving on the left side of the road or the right side of the road better? I went, well, um, I find my opinion on that matter to be highly location dependent. Um, <laughs> in Britain, I, I left side, team left side. But it, it varies over here. He, it does. We should not let Americans have roundabouts. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, we shouldn't. But they, um, somebody write this down, would you? Five years I've been here, it's the only smattering of applause I've ever gotten. It was on that line. All right, here it was a smattering, but it was a lovely smattering. I will take that with me as I go. They, uh, as, as we're driving, he goes, now, I said, he came across British Air, and he goes, do you like British Airways better than Aer Lingus or the others? Now, I've, I've never given it that much thought. This is the way Albert goes. Finally, we got, I got, a, got him out. I, I, oh, yeah, I remember what it was. We got him to his place, and he turned on the telly. I know you call it television set, but there's only one of them people, so it's a, it's, it's an, it's, it's a singular. It's a telly. He turned it on, and he goes, do you like British TV or American TV best? So I turned it off. And I looked at him and I said, Albert, it's possible not to have an opinion or a preference. And as God is my witness, next words out of his mouth, do you find that better than?
if I disagree with you, I don't have to tell you. If you do something I would not do or you leave undone something I would have done, I don't need to tell you. If it endangers your soul, fair enough. I need to approach that very humbly because I could be wrong about that. But most of the time, we don't need to fill our lives with the noise of judgment, the noise of decision, the noise of if it had been me. Ecclesiastes warns us, and James warns us, the tongue is a fire, and there's a time to be silent. How, why should we be silent? Here's the main reason why you should be silent. There is a God in heaven, and he has spoken. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are on earth, so let your words be few. Wow. But those are his words, not mine. Are you willing to let God speak for you? Think about this. Don't jump to answer. Are you willing to let God speak for you and you remain silent? Let his will unfold. Even if it takes months and years and you think you can solve it at the moment, are you willing to let God speak for you? To be Elijah in the cave and find God in the still small voice, but his still small voice, not yours. So I want you to do something which seems to be a bit contrary. But I'm only going to ask you to do it because you can't. I'll explain. To find silence, you first of all have to notice the noise. So, one of those blank books, uh, devotional books, journal books, notebooks, whatever it is. When you wake up in the morning, make a note of every noise that intrudes in your life. Now, these are noises also created by your eyes. You can see a billboard and you read it. That's noise in your head. you won't make it long. You will get very tired of this exercise. I would be shocked if anybody made it to noon. I never have. But it's at least it's a way for me to notice how many different ways the world is using to intrude, to fill me up with noise. So search for the quiet moments you're allowed to have. If you can combine quiet and solitude, both of them become easier. It's, a, it's an honor to work with, with Gary. and uh, Gary is a very, he's, he's a complicated guy. He's very good at many, many things. And it, he's waiting for the punchline. There, there's no punchline, Gary. Every so often he'll post, he's gone off on a hike. And I'm always going, is, it, is his car broken? <laughs> Dude, we must find him. But he seems happy. He's smiling. She takes a selfie in front of a rock. Because we need to see that rock. For reasons I, I believe but do not understand at the moment. But he understands his need to go. Be alone. Solitude. And, that, and I, that makes me respect him even more. That he understands this. And he goes. I find my solitude in various places. I'm sure you can find them, but you're going to have to look. The world's not going to offer it. You're going to have to look. It could be in a mountain sunrise. It could be at church. It could be at a park. 
there are times that I'll, I used to just come and sit on the stage and think. I don't do that now because I'm surrounded by people who are painting, <laughs> listening to the radio and talking. It's the trifecta of not being able to sit here in quiet. But hey, we paid the money to come here and do it, and they're doing it, so I appreciate that. Had to find another place. Cammie and I have a routine. Now, it, it's an old person routine. We're aware of that. You know, it's just a different version of quiet. She makes the meal because I can't. It's not a sexist thing. It's just I can't. And God's done with burnt offerings. So <laughs> I'm the fireman. We're nice people. But it's done. And so she makes the food. I wash the dishes and put the stuff away. That's not much of a contribution, but it's what I can offer. And then she will go into one room and play music, and I'll go upstairs and play music. And there's not a certain amount of time. It's just kind of, we've just, it's like a dance. Everybody knows when it's about to wrap up, and we'll meet together, and we'll go do something, or we'll stay at the house and watch the telly or something. But it's a quiet moment. If I didn't have those quiet moments, I couldn't do this. I need those. After the sermon is done, which is just a few minutes, by the way, you can believe that or not. Let's just see how it works out. Um, I will be heading down quickly because I have to get there before 2 o'clock to pick up my father's cremains from one area and secure it. Uh, we may or may not have his cremains at the service, but I need to go secure it. And I've had several people, dear people, say, do you want me to come with you? And the answer is no. No, this is a job I need to do alone. Some of you will understand that and some of you will not. But that's okay. That's all right. We're wired different. This is the way I'm wired. And you might say that's weird and my wife would agree with you. But she likes me anyway, so there. <laughs> you might not need a place. You might learn, need to have a quiet attitude in the middle of a storm. Just not speaking. Being, going still. Listening. To God and then you might look at God and say this won't you bring your team on up Mark he told me he said I can get you out of here early because I've the way I've crafted the service but it's really up to the preacher <laughs> that Mark is a hoot <laughs> would you stand please My father taught me many things, and some of those lessons were not the right lessons, and many of them were. But the most valuable lesson my father taught me was the ability to stand alone. Whether in a crowd or by myself, whether against opposition or in an adoring room, the ability to stand alone. It's a gift. When you find that place before God, say this, Dear Father, God above all gods, Lord of life, Lord of every moment, please accept this moment as a sacrifice, as an acknowledgement of who you are and my willingness to listen to you. Speak, Lord. Your servant waits. Any version of that, and even if you never hear God's voice, you will have shown that you are willing to hear. And that, my friends, is a valuable lesson enough to learn. Say the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. 
Brother Lemons, would you come down here, please? I didn't tell you I would going to do this. Shema Israel, Adonai Elchinu, Adonai Echad. I would like for you, please, to lead us through the Shema. Would you be willing to do it three times? It's difficult, but I will. It's difficult, but you will. You? Uh, if you will, please. As he does that, when he is done, the, the singing will begin. Let us first be willing to hear. Notice what the prayer of the Jews starts with. Hear. Listen. May we have a willingness to let Jesus be not only our Savior, but our Lord. And hear. Shema Those very sounds for more than 3,500 years in heaven. <laughs> 